106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. First of all, I'm Native American, but I don't go around saying, I'm Native American. No, I say, I'm American. I am an American, okay? You don't hear people saying, I Irish American, I'm German American, I'm Swedish. No, they say, I'm an American. America, okay? If you follow the Constitution, love the flag, love our veterans who died and risked their lives for your freedom, you are an American. If you follow the Constitution, you're an American. But if you burn the flag, if you hurt innocent people, you destroy memorials, you destroy historical monuments, you're a terrorist not an American. People who follow the Constitution, those are my fellow brothers and sisters. We're Americans. You, you're a terrorist. You don't deserve the freedom of this country if you do those kind of things. Well, look, uh, I have, we have great confidence in our son. He is the smartest man I know. I mean, in terms of pure intellectual capacity. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I spent more time on my hands and knees, picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that re even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone, <laughs> anyone that you know, I'm sure, Tracy. <laughs> he is the smartest man I know. I mean, in terms of pure intellectual capacity probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone. <laughs> Parmesan cheese. This idea that we locked down society for a full, full year uh, in, in trying to control the, the spread of the disease, that is not consistent with how we've dealt with any pandemic in the last hundred years. Focus protection is not exactly. anything new. So you identify the folks who are at risk, give them tools to reduce and mitigate their risk consistent with their human rights. That's what you do. That's the lockdown harms are worse than COVID. It's because we're harming our kids, we're harming the poor with the lockdowns in ways that are almost impossible to recover from. Anyone that studies public health understands that uh, public health is a complicated thing. It's a human thing. Pe people are connected to one another. You can't just simply isolate infection control from every other aspect of people's lives. You know, it's, it is an inhuman approach, but humans aren't like that. People ha are complicated. They need many, many things, mo much more than just infection control. They need connection to other people. They need a uh, ability to, to, uh, to you know, make a living for their family. They need um, to, 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 uh, time with one another. They need all kinds of things. And thinking about what those things are is, is, should be what public health is about. We basically threw out a, a generation of knowledge that we had been worked so hard to build up about how to deal with something like this. And we threw it out the window. Uh, none of this is normal. Um, and it has great psychological and medical and other kinds of consequences. I still think of this as the biggest public health mistake, these lockdowns as the biggest public health mistake we've ever made. And the harm to people is catastrophic. Poor people, people who don't have a voice to speak up uh, and, and complain. I spent my career trying to understand how, how policies can help or hurt vulnerable people. Every poor person in the face of the earth has been harmed by these lockdowns. Mm -hmm. I, I just feel an obligation to speak up for that. It's, it's one thing if this was the only possible policy, mm -hmm. then, then, that would, then, that, then I would have stayed silent, right? Um, but I think there's an alternate policy that will reduce 
the total amount of harm, the vilification of scientists who disagree with the lockdown ideology has been, I mean, unprecedented in my life. I mean, just, I've never, very, very prominent scientists, friends of mine, brilliant scientists, like there's this uh, gentleman, Johnny Anides, who's, uh, I mean, if you go back and look, he's probably the most highly cited scientist in the world, actually, even more than most Nobel Prize winners. Um, and yet he, he, everything he, every time he writes anything, he gets this like cadre of people uh, very unfairly attacking him, maligning him, um, I, I, other scientists, young scientists have been writing to me, telling me how difficult it is for them to, to say anything because they're scared that that will happen to them. Scientists are human too. Um, and there's been explicit calls for censorship of science by other prominent scientists. Right. You have to conduct science the way it should be conducted, which involves disagreement and discussion and debate. And science decided during this epidemic to stop that. It's like we decided to stop doing science altogether. It's very, very strange. Welcome to uh, the 107th episode of No Hostages Radio, and this will uh, show up on April 17, 2021, and be hanging around thereafter. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, We're sitting here tonight a couple days before the 17th. So uh, my friend Tanner down in Texas, congratulations, Tanner, on buying your first home. Tanner has his uh, marriage plus the first child, now the first home. Now, and he's helping us uh, keep this going here. He is the creator of this podcast and also the uh, one that makes it sound really good. So, this is his, I'm giving him his uh, opportunity for the 107th episode to tune it up and make it sound good. Thank you, Tanner, and hope you're doing good down in Texas. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can at Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com. Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com. Uh, there is a website, NoHostagesRadio.com. You could go there and listen to all the episodes that we've done, as uh, as well as read a couple hundred newspaper articles if you care to do that. Uh, <clears throat> But you can also, as as some of you probably discovered, uh, just at your normal uh, podcast source, you could get over to this spot. But there's other information. I'm just bringing that up in case you wanted other information that's going on. So uh, we're here in Northern California. This is where we're sitting uh, in Yuba County, and that's one of the 58 counties. And uh, we... we are among about 24 counties in the North State that have sparse population but and have a different way of looking at life than our counterparts in the south and we wish that we could have our own state so the south gets what they want and we get what we want right now we get what the south wants and uh it doesn't matter what we want because there isn't proper representation in the senate and assembly of the uh, state of california so uh, we're actually uh been working really hard up here in the north state uh, to recall the governor, Governor Gavin Newsom. You may be listening uh, from another state, and uh, maybe you've never thought of recalling the governor. 
it's uh, been tried many, many times in California. We may have taken a record of attempts, and uh, we were successful at that in 2003 with a guy named Gray Davis. And now we're, uh, we, it looks like we may be successful, uh, if they don't cheat us out of it, getting a recall uh, election maybe by November uh, <clears throat> of this year, 2021. And on that election, uh, on that ballot, there will be a question, do you or do you want to recall the governor, yes or no? And then the second question will be, who among these many people below uh, would you like, uh, which one would you like to be governor? So I think uh, I said last week or the week before, there were 103 or 104 candidates for governor to replace Gray Davis. And uh, for those that have hung around California for a while. You remember that uh, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger that <clears throat> that won, uh, claiming he was a Republican, and the state really has never been the same. So uh, we don't know who's going to run. I just heard today that a guy named Doug Ose, which is uh, O-S-E, was, was thinking about running, which is a huge disappointment. Uh, he The only thing he represents is not a D, uh, which is Democrat, but I think he's everything that a D would embrace uh, and a uh, a stuffed shirt back in Washington, D.C. He was not uh, <clears throat> he was not a uh, a conservative back there. So we you know, uh, people will come out of the woodwork as it gets close and it's getting close. You know, uh, it's getting close. So probably in the next couple of months, we'll we'll f- have a determination uh, regarding the uh, the dates and whether you know the signatures got verified enough signatures, we needed about 1.5 million good signatures. So uh, anyway, that's what's going on with Gavin Newsom, and and uh, but we'd we'd love to separate out as a different state in the state of California. Unfortunately, both the leadership of both movements uh, is is flawed, and uh, it'll. It'd be interesting to see if anything ever comes of it, but uh, we're certainly a perfect candidate for another state, As and we wouldn't be the first state to ever split off and create a second state, and you can look that up, and there's plenty of history there to read uh, about it, but I don't want to spend time on it tonight. So uh, let's see. We're going to do six segments if you're this is your first time with us, and six 20-minute segments, so you can kind of plan your day, or you can listen to it a little bit and then hang it up. Uh <clears throat> In between the segments, uh, I usually have four to six minutes of uh, clips that I think are important to what's going on right now. Uh, I'm going to start off with this. I get some things that people send me, uh, different ones that uh, listen, listen to the show, and uh, they care about what, what the content is. So they send me content that I might like, and a lot of times I use the content that's sent over to me because people kind of know what I look for. But this showed up on one of the media platforms, and it's a picture of a, a large tent, like where you would have it back in the 40s and 50s, you'd have a big uh, revival meeting, you know, and they have these massive tents that hold thousands of people. And this is a massive white tent. Sometimes you'd see them in circuses when the circus would come to town or or when a, when a you know, a healing preacher or something, miracle preacher come to town. Uh, so there's a picture of a large tent and there's a large sign, very large sign sitting on the ground next to the tent. 
and it says Ku Klux Klan at Jackson, July 4th, 1924. And, uh, and it uh, says 500 cases, carbonated beverages furnished uh, to the Ku Klux Klan by the Northern Coca-Cola Company. Now, the Coca-Cola Company is the one that's the woke company and uh, the one that stood against, I believe, Georgia and all other kinds of situations uh, saying that you either, uh, that that we're going to stand up for these uh, crazy uh, mentally ill people. So just to uh, look back, if you think Coca-Cola is the ones you want to follow, they were actually donating 5,000 cases of carbonated beverages to the Ku Klux Klan meeting at Jackson on July 4th, 1924. Uh, and uh, the name of that Coca-Cola uh, franchise unit or, or subsidiary was Northern Coca-Cola Company of Michigan, it looks like. So uh, it just gives you kind of perspective on what's going on here. And a lot of the people that are claiming they're uh, holier than thou, as somebody once said, were actually the very people that killed and hung and persecuted black people back in the day. And that would be the Coca-Cola company. Next time you buy Coke, uh, might think of that, that they, they're uh, racist. So the other... Uh, uh, the other, vi uh, not a video, but a uh, photo of a young lady <clears throat> with a baseball cap on and summer attire, blue jeans, and a kind of a tank top and kind of uh, motorcycle sh glasses. She says, or uh, it says here next to her, she's a blonde lady, says, if you see a bulge in a conservative woman's pants, it's a gun. If you see a bulge in a liberal woman's pants, it's a penis. Hold that thought for a minute. So this lady is a uh, obviously a conservative lady because the bulge in her pants, the top of the bulge sticking out is a, the handle of a, a handgun. She must be a conservative. So and the third one that was sent to me was a, a picture of Tom Sowell. Tom Sowell and uh, a number of men like him. And uh, he's one of the last of a group, Walter Williams, Milton Friedman, very, very bright people, just kind of make complicated things sound really simple and, and uh, understandable. So he says, the problem isn't that Johnny can't read. The problem isn't even that Johnny can't think. The problem is that Johnny doesn't know what thinking is. He confuses it with what he's feeling. I'll just read that again for you. The problem isn't that Johnny can't read. The problem isn't even that Johnny can't think. The problem is that Johnny doesn't know what thinking is. He confuses it with feelings. All right. <clears throat> I wanted to uh, mention a couple dates coming up uh, before we get too far because some of you may tire of me talking or get sidetracked or have an emergency or get interrupted and miss some things. And I wanted to mention a couple of things. One is, you know, there's a lot of events starting now. Uh, I mentioned last week about little league starting and, uh, there's a lot, there's just a lot of things going on, changes going on. I'm going to talk about those in a minute as well, but I wanted to bring this up. There's a friend of mine, um, 
who is putting, he's a, a military vet. His name is uh, Alex Suarez, Alejandro Suarez. And um, he has put together a car show. It's called Memorial Day Awareness Car Show. And it's really bringing awareness to the trauma that military veterans and law enforcement veterans face and uh, the high uh, percentages of suicide among those groups. And they're raising money for to help um, the groups like 22 Until None. And that's one group. And uh, or fight the warrior within foundation, and uh, and also they're going to give some of the money that they raise to trauma intervention program, which is our local emergency response uh, program that's been here. We're in our twenty seventh year and serving in the Yuba Sutter County's area. But uh, I don't know how the money will be divided up. I'm happy that that the military people would get all the money. Frankly, fight the warrior within foundation. I think is wonderful, and uh, but I want to encourage you to come to this. I think there'll be some really fantastic cars. There's going to be fun for the kids. So probably be a dunk tank and some bounce houses and all kinds of activities. So it's in Marysville, California, and it's going to be at 11th and J or 1104J, it's called, it's big building there, uh, called the 530 building. But it's 11th and J in Marysville, and there's a large parking lot and lots of streets there, and I don't, maybe they'll block off a couple streets. But there should be some really fantastic-looking cars, and so people that want to show their cars, they, they pay their registration fee. And then some of the vendors that will there will probably be, donate some money towards the cause and uh, then there'll be uh, seven classes of awards or trophies first second and third in the various second different classes uh, classic cars and trucks modern import and domestic stance low rider and jeep so if you want to uh, get your your rig in you can uh, just go to M- Memorial Day Car Show, all one word, Memorial Day Car Show at gmail.com. Memorial Day Car Show. And uh, I think you're, you're, you're good. Should be fun. There's also a car show, and I was trying to pull up the date, and I can't do it, but um, we'll watch for it. It's put, being put on, I believe, by the American Legion, and it's the mid middle of May. Monty Hecker is involved with that, and uh, let me just see if it makes sense to me. So, yeah, the 15th of May is a Saturday. I think it's like the 15th or 16th of May. So watch for that as well, and I think that's that's involving also military benefit and American Legion out in, or VFW, out in uh, Lyndon Oliver's. But uh, you can get more, I'll get more details next week on that because Monty helps sponsor the show, and he'll give me all the all the details so you can go or you can contribute or you can bring your car or you can bring your food truck and uh, make some money have some fun okay so that's that and then the other thing i'm very excited to announce is that uh, there's going to be free and the brave conference number two or 2.0 maybe we should say and that is going to be at Church of Glad Tidings on the uh, Embassy campus in uh, Sutter County uh, or north of Yuba City between Yuba City and Live Oak. The address is 1179 Eager Road, E-A-G-E-R. It's easily accessible 
right off the uh, off-ramp on Highway 99, Eager Road off-ramp. When you pull off the off-ramp and you come to the stop sign, you're facing the entrance to the uh, Church of Glad Tiding campus. You can also come out Live Oak Boulevard. So if you're coming from a distance, so this is a May 21, 22. It's a Friday night and uh, most of the day Saturday. Um, this, uh, the organizers say that this is going to be even better than the first one. The first one was a great success. There were people from all over Northern California counties. Um, we have, we had a political people there. We have, uh, constitutional people there. We had medical people there, vaccine talks there, um, all kinds of great talks. We're at a different place right now with COVID, but there's going to be, I, I hear there's going to be a lot of discussion on vaccines, vaccine passports, all those kinds of things. But I heard it's going to be a great, they have a great list of speakers already ready to come. So uh, it should be fun. We we provided food. They provided food at the at the uh, event. They had some food catered, and then they had food trucks come in. And so you, because there was difficulties in going to restaurants, uh, we just had as much food as we could, food and drink, easily accessible and reasonably uh, priced, uh, right there on the campus. So I'm sure that's going to be the goal again since. Uh, it takes a little bit to drive into town. It's about three minutes out of town there. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it comes. We'll, it should be a real entertaining time and meet a lot of cool people. What what that first conference did, did, the Free and the Brave, was to really network many, many people from Northern California and even all on down into Southern. A few came up from Southern California. The other thing that's going to be interesting, I think, about this one here in a few weeks is that uh, we now have a militia started, a local militia in Yuba Sutter counties, and we had an organization, organizational meeting a couple Sundays ago, and had between two and three hundred people sign up. So uh, there'll be some, uh, and that was with really scant um, advertising. So we want to build that up to five, five to eight hundred people. And that should be quite easy around here. There's a lot of patriots in the Yuba Sutter County's area, so we want and and really other county uh, folks can get involved as well. Nevada County, Butte County, Calusa County, until they get their own going. But you're all welcome. And uh, th- if you watch the Church of Glad Tidings dot com, I looked over there before I started the show here today. Church of Glad Tidings dot com. They have an events page. I look there, and there's no event listed yet for the next meeting of the militia. But as soon as it's it's uh, arranged or set up, uh, you'll be notified. And we'll put some uh, information out on social media in a variety of ways to uh, recruit a lot of new people that didn't hear about the initial meeting that was kind of uh, coordinated by the by the militia guys uh, and ladies up uh, in, from the. Uh, uh, county of Shasta, I believe, Cottonwood area. So uh, a lot of good things happening, and so that's going to be coming up uh, as well, and that'll be announced, on, and like I mentioned. And then May 21, 22, the Free and the Brave Conference, is. there's no charge for that conference. Uh, there there will be, of course, charge for the food, and there's plenty of – there's a coffee house there on the on the campus as well. So it's really easy and to get settled in, and if people need places to stay, there may be some help with places to stay as well. So, okay, I'm excited to tell you about that. Um, okay, let's go on here. I wanted to um, also – let's see uh, – 
just mentioned the recall, uh, please watch the the website recall Gavin two zero two zero the numbers two zero two zero twenty twenty recall Gavin twenty twenty dot com. Please continue to watch that and to get directions on how you can help uh, get out the vote to recall the governor of the state of California. Okay, so let's just not get get relaxed and quit uh, being fervent about this. A lot of a lot of you. Uh, in, 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 in particularly in this area, I can't speak for the other counties, but some of the area, the ladies, um, uh, Cindy Huff and Donna Wahlberg and various ones just work their fingers to the bone. I've never seen people work so hard for, for a cause and way to go ladies, but others also other men helped John Welch and others helped as well way to go but we need to all pull together we can't just expect two or three people to do all the work so we need to all work and even get people registered to vote and we can do that right now get people registered to vote and uh, then get them out to vote and vote uh, to recall the governor of the state of california and hopefully pick somebody that can do a lot better job we're going to be right back and uh, take our first break here and and we'll carry on I hate that it had to be this way, but y'all made me do it. You made me like Trump, and I'm going to tell you why you made me like him. When y'all first came out and said he was racist, I took y'all word for it because I don't watch politics. Okay? But everybody that told me he was racist and everybody that talked bad about him in the beginning, two, three years later, y'all was still talking bad about him. And I said to myself, hold up. This man can't be doing everything wrong. So I went and did my own investigations. And boy, what I found was a new way of life. You made me do it. You made me do my own homework. And I dove deep. Let me t- let me give you a word of advice. If you want to convince the world not to like somebody, you can't talk about everything wrong that person does. Because it looks like you're a hater when you do that. Trump 2020. So, Mr. President, what do you think about the possibility that baseball decides to move their all-star game out of Atlanta because of this political issue? I would strongly support them doing that. The left-leaning Washington Post gave Biden four Pinocchios for his characterization of the law. They call the loss of the all-star game crushing. We're trying to build back from a pandemic that happened last year. Business owners are calling this boycott simply crushing. We have a lot of people who will be impacted by this. And something like this is not good for business. Rodney's will suffer. I mean, a lot of these are minority-owned businesses that were really looking forward and desperately needed this kind of revenue in-stream. And these certainly would have been uplifted should they have chosen to stay here. And recognizing that we're in a pandemic, this would has would have given us a lift out of that. African Americans represent nearly 50% of Atlanta's population. Some minority business owners say moving the all-star game from Atlanta to Denver is not good for their business and will cost them revenue. Cobb County's estimate is right around $100 million. There is undoubtedly going to be a cost. I think that was the point. 
I would strongly support them doing that. Hello, it's me, candidate for president, a person with a face, a person whose hand gestures are definitely not weird. My advisors say that these sepia-toned photos of my parents are proof of my human origins. Wherever I go, so do lens flares and fields in sunlight. Machines spark in the foreground when I tour the few remaining places where they manufacture things. Here are a bunch of different people matched with career signifiers, like a helmet, a uniform, or a stethoscope, on the off chance that you identify with one of them. And here's a guy with a belly, a beard, and a hard hat. I talked to this guy, I think. My favorite place is a local diner, because it makes me seem like a regular Joe and makes white people feel safe and full. But I'm not racist. Here's a Hispanic family who doesn't mind being associated with me. And if you are thinking about retirement, here are some old people smiling. Thank God they're still alive to vote. I love the sunrise, and I hate thunderstorms. But my opponent disagrees with me. My opponent thinks thunderstorms are good. And these people, why are they in your backyard? What do they want? Are they there to take all of your money? Are they there to kill you? Probably. Because I'm not president. Yet. I understand there's a lot to worry about right now. Like healthcare, and taxes, and foreign policy, and thunderstorms. My record shows that I can construct a narrative by keeping the details pretty vague. Families the economy, faith, and education are all things I've addressed in non-specific ways. But I'll put these particular words right on the screen because they always get applause. Great, nation, troops, more, less, budget, security, veterans, children, jobs, future, strong. See, you can't deny that these people are clapping. Did I mention I'm super capable? I can stand behind a podium. I can look out a window. I can shake hands. I can make the skin around my eyes crinkle when I smile. I can make my family hug me. I can even pose for selfies. Right now is a critical time because of the past and the future and this American flag. I'm a candidate for president and I endorse this message, unless you disagree, in which case, I have nothing to do with it. All right, welcome back. And um, so uh, we have the recall going on that we hope to vote on in November. I hear tell in November. And um, we also have an effort. We have a petition that we're circulating to fire 
the health officer, Dr. Liu, Fong Liu, P-H-U-O-N-G-L-U-U, Fong Liu. Uh, she has created a disaster in the counties of Sutter and Yuba, where she serves as health officer. And we, we want to ask the supervisors of both the counties to fire her and replace her. Now, some people say, well, you're just going to get the same thing again. That's really the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life that just because you get rid of one bad apple, you're, you're automatically going to get another bad apple. If that was the case, I'd quit voting altogether because uh, it seems like we're always voting liberals in, in California and then complaining about it. So uh, the first step to getting somebody better is to get rid of somebody bad, not find somebody better that's just going to wait in the wings. So uh, the people that complain about this are, are, uh, show their ignorance of what's going on. Uh, the last couple uh, health officers we had before Dr. Liu were both actual doctors, practicing doctors that actually took care of patients and had compassion on patients. And both doctors happened to be, be or become specialists in pain management and addiction issues, which this area has a huge addiction problem, the Yuba Sutter County's area. And so both Dr. Joe Cassidy, who served here for 25 years, and then when he retired, the, the supervisors in Yuba County replaced him with a lady named Nicole Quick, who was a very bright lady, very nice lady. And I actually interviewed Nicole Quick and her mother, who unfortunately I cannot recall her name. I think she lives up in Nevada County. But she's, they're both doctors and uh, both specialists in addic addiction issues and both saw patients, which Dr. Lou's never seen any patients. She's just a bureaucrat. And um, so uh, my, the reason I bring that up is, is when the health, when the supervisors say, oh, it's very hard to find a health officer, you only have to find one at a time. You don't have a bunch of health officers like a bunch of ducks landing on a pond, you have one health officer and then you hopefully keep them for a number of years. In the case of Dr. Cassie, I think he stayed 20 to 25 years and served as health officer and as the doctor of the jail, took care of all the jail inmates. So uh, that's going on. So uh, that's not a, uh, some people say, well, that's just, you know, we're a republic and that's just democracy, you know, you know, and again, they're speaking out of their ignorance. This is not a petition where if we get so many signers, then the supervisors automatically fire her. All this is, is uh, people expressing their displeasure and about her incompetence and the fact that she actually killed a lot of people. She actually killed more people with the lockdowns and the shutting down of AANA and all the recovery meetings and shutting down of people's ability to visit their relatives and shutting down people's ability to, to attend church, which was a, one of the biggest support groups in the area. Uh, not every church is, but most some churches are. But to, shutting down life uh, causes people, and if we have time, we're going to go into that. It's, uh, there's a write-up on it that when you cause people to have to stay in their home and lock them down and restrict their traveling, it causes them to be depressed. People that are fragile end up taking their own lives, which has been happening here left and right. So uh, we want to uh, fire Dr. Lou. Now, there's a number of places you can, you can uh, reach out to me. You can call me at 530 713 
1838-530-713-1838. You can email me at, at the uh, Lou at NoHostagesRadio.com. I can email you um, a petition, and you can get all your neighbors to sign. The unique thing about this petition is you don't have to be a registered voter. You sh- You have to be... We want you to be uh, a resident of the county that you're signing for, in this case, Yuba or Sutter County. You do not have to be 18 because uh, not just el- not just older people or adults uh, suffered because of the craziness of Dr. Lou. Students of all people suffered maybe more. Uh, they lost a whole year of their schooling. They lost a year of their sports. Um, they They lost a year of... Uh, their music, dance, all the things that kids do at that age in, in looking for what their likes and dislikes are, their skills, their gifts. Uh, they lost a year of, of uh, interacting with their buddies. It's a big thing. It's a huge thing. And so I'm encouraging even teenagers and younger to sign and say, I don't, I think she made a mistake in what she did. And uh, many, many legal people agree with that. And I, and on the petition that I send you, it will explain the reasons uh, for the petition. It's just not saying, oh, sign it. Lou thinks it's a good idea. No, I've, I've got two and a half pages of write-up where you can see my arguments on why you should uh, sign it. Now, as I mentioned before, there isn't a miracle number that we need. We're, we're hoping for a couple thousand in each county. We're not going door to door. We don't have time for that. But we're just wanting to get uh, a petition to serve the supervisors expressing our displeasure with who they hired. And uh, so they can just say thank you, but no thanks. And they could move on and uh, never do another thing about that petition. What it does, though, is it sends a big message to the constituents of Sutter and Yuba County saying this. Uh, yeah, we saw that you're displeased, but uh, we're not going to we, we're not displeased. Right. If the, the the bottom line is, if the supervisors aren't displeased, they're not going to ch- make a change. Uh, but what we have an opportunity see, see, there's this constant twisting of the mindset of elected officials. They think that we're there to serve them. And the Constitution says that they're there to serve us. So if it's kind of like we're the customer and if we go in and say, you know, we, we want our food cooked this way and they say, ah, well, we're not really into cooking it that way. Then it's time to leave. I'll give you an example. One of my friends went over to red Robin because it looked like they were open. All these restaurants are opening again. So she and her husband went over there because they, everybody's got these uh, Christmas, gift cards and stuff they're trying to use so they went to the door and there were a lot of employees standing right at the front entrance of red robin in yuba city and they blocked them from going in even though people were sitting at the tables without masks on they said you had to actually uh install a mask over your face to enter they decided to uh leave and because they're not going to wear a mask. And I applaud them for that. And they suggested, I was talking to them on the phone, and they suggested they might go to Chili's to see if they would honor the Red Robin gift card. Now, I'll tell you, if that, if there was a sharp lady, I think I know the lady that runs Chili's, if she's still around, 
if she was sharp, she'd just say, y'all come over here and I'll accept those discount cards. And uh, you don't have to wear a mask to walk in my business. Now, it's interesting. This week, um, a number of us went to the first open meeting of the Yuba County Board of Supervisors in over a year. And um, so when <clears throat> we went in, it was they voted the previous meeting two weeks ago to open the next meeting. So we went there, a number of us, and because we wanted to join in support of District Attorney Clint Curry and Sheriff of Yuba County, Wendell Anderson, and they, they drafted a resolution that, that said that they, uh, the county was going to support the Second Amendment to the Constitution, regardless of whether the California did or the federal government did or not, that they were standing and going to obey the Constitution. So there was a number of us, there were a number of us that went. And uh, so when we walked in, they tried to force people to wear a mask, everybody. And uh, the the county of Yuba is still trying to force their employees to wear a mask, supposedly because OSHA said so. Now, uh, occupational safety, OSHA, you know, they aren't really, they're more about political stuff nowadays. They really aren't about occupational safety. And uh, anyone knows, a child knows, that's done any research on COVID. I was telling somebody on the phone today that I think I have a PhD in COVID now. But a child could know and figure out that when you put something over your mouth and nose, it restricts the flow of oxygen. And uh, usually when people are ill or they're struggling for life, they actually put a mask over their face and give them more oxygen. They call it an oxygen mask. These are not oxygen masks. These are masks that inhibit your ability to breathe. Now, any person that thinks that's somehow good for you is just not thinking clearly. I don't care whether they're a medical doctor or they're a Ph.D.-style doctor or a scientist. They're full of baloney. And uh, so it has never been a law to wear a mask. It has been a suggestion and so, um, but the county has, un, is under, the counties have been under the impression up here in Yuba Sutter counties that OSHA can find, that Gavin Newsom was going to have OSHA find the counties $90,000 per incident or something like that if they didn't have them wear a mask. Now, here's what happened. The county employees had masks on in this room, but a lot of the citizens did not. So Gary Bradford, who was chairing the meeting, he represents Wheatland and Plumas Lake, California, uh, he insisted that they weren't going to start the meeting until everybody masked up. So the, the people, the citizens there did not mask up. So then he had the, the county council lecture everybody uh, like an idiot. And after he got done lecturing, then he said, we're going to take a five minute recess. And if you don't mask up, then we're going to have to uh, either clear the, the hall of all the non-masked people. We're going to have to do something. So after the five-minute recess, and nobody did anything, they just sat there and stared at him, Andy Vasquez, who's one of the, the uh, longest-term supervisors left up there on those five people, he suggested uh, allowing people to be free and to allow people to wear a mask or not wear a mask, depending on what their level of belief and faith was. If they didn't wear a mask, if they weren't working for the county, they weren't employed by the county, they didn't have to wear a mask. You know, your employer, some people believe your employer can tell you to wear a mask, but I don't believe that is law either. 
but most people don't have enough brains or backbone to fight it, so they just go ahead and do it. But the fact was that the supervisors voted three to two with, uh, in fact, uh, Seth Fuhrer, one of the uh, brand new supervisor, and another new supervisor, Don Blazer, who used to own the Brick Coffee House, uh, and Andy Vasquez all voted to allow people to do what they will. You know, it just sounded a lot like America all of a sudden that we could just do what we wanted and we could handle our health the way we wanted. If we wanted to wear a coat, we could wear a coat. And if we wanted to wear a tank top, we could wear a tank top. And if we wanted to wear shorts, we could wear shorts. Or if we wanted to wear wool underwear, we could wear wool underwear. We could just handle our health as such. So the meeting then began with the Pledge of Allegiance, but we had a little tough get tough getting off the ground. Uh, the next thing was that the, uh, the, the supervisors did vote uh, unanimously for out, people out Lyndon Oliver. So that means you all did it. Everybody agreed. And they voted unanimously to support the Second Amendment, regardless of what Gavin Newsom, the state legislature, or the Senate and the uh, Congress of the United States of America did, or the president does, or the attorney general does. We're standing on the Constitution. Now, the interesting thing is, is, you know, it says that our right to bear arms shall not be infringed. That means invalidated or violated. And so the fact is, our right to bear arms has already been val invalidated and violated by all these rules that you have to go through to buy a gun, to carry a gun, to carry a gun concealed. And so more and more states, I think we're up to about 20 or 21 states right now. I think Tennessee may have been the last one just in the last week or so to say that we're no longer going to require a concealed weapon permit to carry a weapon concealed. Or uh, many of them are saying you could just carry a gun openly if you wish, like walking down the street. So um, that that's what the that's what the Constitution intended and then we have been whittling away and making excuses and thinking we're still honoring the constitution and we aren't so the the second the next step after this resolution is to uh petition the sheriff and petition the supervisors to alter the codes or the ordinances that makes us or makes it illegal to carry a gun concealed now, when I was, I explained to the Board of Supervisors when I spoke there the other day that when I, I'm old enough to remember when I had full constitutional rights with guns, I could carry a gun down the street openly as a teenager. I could take a gun to school in the, in the rack of my dad's pickup. Uh, we actually had a rack in the back window and we had a sling, a canvas sling that hung between the seat and the, the back wall of the pickup. So when you opened it, it was just like a sling that you could lay some guns in if you did, had too many for your uh, rack. And uh, that would be considered concealed a concealed uh, gun today. And um, that would be against the law unless you had a concealed permit. So what I'm suggesting is that we begin to move towards asking the supervisors and the sheriff to rescind or or if we have to leave it on the books because of the state has it, uh, we could actually just tell our uh, law enforcement officials to not enforce those laws. Do you think, wow, you mean they just pick and choose which laws to enforce? Every single day they do that. You ever been pulled over speeding and they say, 
oh, I'm just going to give you a warning. Don't do that again. No ticket, right? You feel very grateful, right? So there's uh, there's also many cities right now in California that have, in spite of federal law, to arrest and detain and to um, remove or deport people that are illegal in this country. It's against the law of this country, and it's against the law of every country, pretty much, to come into the country without uh, proper permission, whether you need a visa or whatever you need to visit or whatever. And so uh, now we have cities like San Francisco and many others in California that have declared themselves sanctuary cities uh, for um, illegal aliens. And so what they're doing with that is that they know that, that, that illegal aliens can live there, work there, commit crimes there, and yet they can live there and not be turned over to uh, immigration and custom enforcement, more commonly called ICE. And so that's happening right now. And everybody is okay with it. Law enforcement is just ignoring those laws. There's laws on the books. Somebody said, oh, we need another amendment to do this or that. I thought, you know, we just need to enforce the laws that are on the books. There's good laws on the books for good reason. But uh, the same way that the illegal aliens are being allowed to stay in sanctuary cities, though it's totally against the law, uh, the same way we could simply not enforce, we could have the Sutter County Sheriff, Yuba County Sheriff, Wheatland Police, Yuba City Police, Marysville Police, all informed. The only reason we want you to cite or arrest someone with a gun is if they're a felon and they're prohibited by law from carrying a gun if they're a felon, something like that, or they're carrying ammunition, right? So we can just, and, and uh, even retailers could start selling uh, without all the foolishness uh, that goes along with, like, for instance, I, if I buy another gun, I'm not going to buy one through a normal retailer because they're going to take my name and put me on the grid. They're put me on the registration list, and I'm not going to be on the registration list. Let me see. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. I forgot to set the timer here, but I'm just eyeballing it as we go across the screen here. So anyway, we're, we're going to work on the Second Amendment situation, and we already have some leadership being taken by Sheriff Wendell Anderson and, and uh, Yuba County District Attorney Clint Curry. So that's beautiful. We have the militia starting. I was talking to Sheriff Anderson about it. He said, I just want to make sure it's well regulated. And I said, we do everything well. So we're going to do everything well in Yuba Sutter counties, and the militia is going to be sharp. You know, a lot of times the uh, media has portrayed militias as these backwoods tweakers that uh, produce children with their sisters. And uh, that that is just another communist or socialist uh, way to undermine and propagandize the population. And uh, the way the founding fathers saw it is they wanted regular folks, farmers, mechanics, people that just, you know, get out there know how to take care of horses, whatever their trade, those people uh, should be able, and all the children should be able to handle guns and manage guns and know how to take care of business. And that's what we're going to work at and do it with, uh, with excellence. That sound good? So we're going to, uh, we're going to come back in, in just another uh, four, five, six minutes, listen to these clips, and uh, we'll be right back. Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. What can I 
I'm an astrophysicist at a major university. Science is my life. But when I hear somebody somberly intone, science says, or follow the science, I get very nervous. Science doesn't belong to any ideology. Science is the never-ending search for new knowledge. That's what science means in Latin, by the way. Knowledge. Not wisdom, not morality, not social policy. Knowledge. What we do with that knowledge is where wisdom, morality, and social policy enter the picture. Knowledge, it turns out, isn't so easy to come by. And sometimes what we think we know for certain, the Earth sure does look flat when we're standing on it, turns out not to be so certain. Of course I trust in basic scientific truths, those things for which there is overwhelming evidence, like, say, gravity, even that humans play a role in the warming of the planet. But scientists, even the best ones, can get things wrong. The brilliant astrophysicist Sir Fred Hoyle believed the universe existed in a steady state forever and had no beginning. But his view, once held sacrosanct by all astrophysicists, no longer holds. It's been superseded by the Big Bang theory that the universe had a beginning and is still expanding. In the 20th century, some of the most respected scientists in the world, including Nobel Prize winners, believed in eugenics, the reprehensible idea that the human race could be improved by selective breeding. The National Academy of Sciences, the American Medical Association, and the Rockefeller Foundation supported it. By the middle of the century, it had been thoroughly rejected as quackery. No reputable scientist would have anything to do with this idea. So, we all need to get over this notion that just because someone, be it a politician, a bureaucrat, or even a scientist, employs the phrase, science says, means whatever they're saying is right. It might be right, but it might also be wrong. And if it's wrong, it won't necessarily be a bunch of scientists who say it's wrong. It might be one guy. Ask Einstein. 100 scientists wrote a book explaining why his theory of relativity was wrong. He quipped, if I were wrong, then one would have been enough. It takes a lot to convince scientists to accept a new theory, especially if that new theory refutes what they had always believed. In some cases, what they'd stake their entire careers on. As Richard Feynman, one of the most eminent physicists of the 20th century famously said, science is the belief in the ignorance of experts. What Feynman is saying is that a good scientist should always maintain a healthy amount of skepticism. Science is by its nature provisional. Science would stagnate if we merely accepted proclamations of past authorities. So how do we do good science? This is not a new question. Since the 17th century, scientists have employed the so-called scientific method to guide their work. It's not a perfect guide by any means, but it's pretty darn good. The method involves, one, formulating a theory. Two, predicting the evidence that should be found if the theory is true. Three, collecting data. Four, analyzing the data. Five, refining the theory and presenting evidence to other experts. The philosopher Karl Popper added one more item to this list. Popper said a subject is scientific if and only if it can be falsified. In other words, if your theory can't be tested, if it can't be proven wrong, it's probably not good science. This is just one reason why we have to be very careful about putting too much faith in models. They often can't be tested. Models are predictions of the future based on current data. They can easily get things wrong. First of all, the future, in case you hadn't noticed, is very hard to predict. And the further out you go into the future, the less secure the prediction. Second, the data may be incomplete or even erroneous. It's human nature to want definitive answers, but science can't always offer those. Furthermore, science is not concerned with fashion, authority, or majority opinion. 
Case closed is not a scientific expression. Science is never closed. here for our third segment and this will bring us up to our uh, halfway point i wanted to just jump back uh as our information officer for the united states government says i'm circling back right now i need to circle back on that that may be the, the most quoted thing in the uh the new administration circling somebody used it the other day Oh, and they used it in the board meeting at Yuba County the other day. So, oh, I, I didn't finish this about Yuba County. Oh, and let me let me do this as well. <clears throat> if you want to sign the Dr. Lou petition and you don't want to email, you don't want to take a whole petition yourself, if you can pop by Church of Glad Tidings uh, during the week, Tuesday through Friday, 8 to 4, you could sign it there. You could sign it at... Um, Monty Hecker's Elite Universal Security, and I will get over here and tell you the address here in just a minute, out on Feather River Boulevard, just outside of Marysville, if you're in Yuba Sutter area, and really you need, you need to be in Yuba Sutter area to sign that. It's 5548 Feather River Boulevard. They, you can sign there seven days a week, all day. 5548 Feather River Boulevard, Elite Universal Security. You can sign the Fire Dr. Lou petition. Uh Actually, uh, then there's Caldwell Countertops on Sutter Street in Yuba City. I can't quote you off the top of my head. The, the, uh, it's right next to Pepsi-Cola, so right next to the 10th Street Bridge. Uh, Kathleen Caldwell, Caldwell Countertops, uh, has some petitions there as well. So uh, that should give you plenty of spots to sign up. Um, okay. Let's see. Okay. I wanted to um, talk quite a bit today about, um, well, let me do this first. I was going to talk a lot about vaccinations because there's some really scary stuff happening with vaccinations and vaccination uh, cards. And if you want to learn all about that, passports, cards, uh, you can uh, check that out at the uh, actually you should go to the freedomco.net freedomco like freedom coalition but freedomco.net website and you can find out a lot of good information about a lot of stuff and you could come to the free and the brave conference that's May 21 22 I want to talk about a few minutes a few minutes about communism and uh I, I do work still in Vietnam, though I can't travel there. I haven't been able to travel there for about a year and a half because of restrictions, ter uh, international uh, travel restrictions. <clears throat> but I was I, I keep in contact 
communication with the folks in Vietnam we work with, and they work a lot with the underground church. So they were mentioning they were up on the Laotian border, which along the borders of, of uh, Vietnam, whether it's the China's border, China at the north, Laos at the northwest, and then uh, Cambodia at the southwest, uh, those borders, and then of course on the on the east side of Vietnam, you have the ocean, just like uh, California. Uh, you have one side of the uh, of California, same way with one side of Vietnam, all water, beautiful. And uh, so along the the perimeter of Vietnam, it's highly protected with military. And so these guys that I was communicating with. They were saying, hey, Lou, pray for us. We're going through some pretty uh, difficult high-security areas. These guys are Vietnamese, and uh, they they were telling me about there was checkpoints all over the place. Uh, now, that's the way it is in communist countries, checkpoints where they pull you over and ask you, what business do you have traveling here or there? And where are you from? Oh, you're from Saigon? Then why are why are you out here in central central Vietnam? And in other words, you don't have necessarily the freedom to just go wherever you want. So um, you also don't have a right. You don't have any of the rights that you have in America, right? Right to carry a gun, right to freely assemble to redress grievances against the government. You don't have any rights, any of the Bill of Rights you don't have in any communist country, okay? So uh, you think it's no big deal? Uh, it it you know it it doesn't seem like a big deal until you don't have it, and um, so I uh, in China uh, and I've said in China and Vietnam I can't I I've been in and out of Laos a number of times but I haven't I'm not as familiar with the way the government works there though it's communist. What I'm saying to you is in these communist countries you can be picked up, uh, you can be called up by the police on the phone and interrogated over the phone tell tell you by phone to come on into the department. Um, they can pick you up and lock you up, and that's the end of you. They do not have to have a trial by jury, by peers. And so uh, for many years now, um, in fact, years ago, I there was a book written by Ethan Gutman, G-U-T-M-A-N or M-A-N-N, German guy, but uh, a well-known writer, if you if you read periodicals, the Wall Street Journal, or you know, a really great national newspapers, uh, Ethan wrote a book called The Slaughter, and it's a shocking book, and it's uh, it isn't just uh, conspiracy theories; it's it's actual accounts of people that escaped China to tell how they harvest the organs uh, of living human beings. And in other words, they match up the DA of the prisoner or the political prisoner. We're not talking about murders, rapists, uh, terrorists. We're talking about people that don't agree with communism and or they're people of faith, of some type of faith. doesn't have to be Christianity. It could be Confucianism, Buddhism. It could be uh, the Falun Gong people. It, it, it could be Muslims. Uh, they lock them up, and then when they find a, uh, that their D that they not when they check them in as prisoners, they they pull their DNA, they check their blood and their DNA, and then if a foreigner like myself say I need a kidney, I could fly over there, they could match up my DNA, and actually before I go home, they could get me a liver, put it in my body, kill the person they took it out of, 
and then I could fly home with a brand new liver. Happens all the time. Um, and people that have money fly in there from all over the world and they harvest them uh, out of their uh, folks that are political prisoners. So uh, there's an article here in the Epoch Times. Uh, it's a wonderful newspaper that everybody should get. It's called the Epoch Times, not Epic. Epic, E-P-I-C. This is Epoch, E-P-O-C-H, Times. It's a wonderful newspaper. It's a weekly. Uh, if you have children, it's a great newspaper for your children to read because it's very, very... Uh, it's chuck full of beef is what it is. So... Um, this says, uh, the title here on the front page of the March 17 to the 23rd paper, it says, medical expert suicide draws attention to questionable organ transplant model. The suicide of Chinese organ transplant specialist Zhang Yunjin has drawn attention to the Qingdao model of human organ transplantation. Zhang, head of the organ transplantation center, of the affiliated, let me see if I can get to the right spot here quickly, of the affiliated hospital of Qingdao University killed himself by jumping off a high building on Fe February 26th. A source told the Chinese language Epoch Times around February 27th. He was one of the most well-known liver transplant specialists in China and won a long list of titles and honors over, the, over his career for his involvement in the sector based on China's state media reports. China news commentator Heng He said that Zhang was, wasn't merely an organ transplant expert who had helped spearhead the transplant uh, industry in multiple cities in China. He, also, he noted that all, all the hospitals where Zhang had worked were specifically identified in reports that investigated the Chinese Communist Party's crimes of illegal organ harvesting from Falun Gong practitioners. So... Back in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, a movement of Chinese people that uh, began to practice meditation, Tai Chi, which, tai chi, which is that dance movement, um, meditation, uh, chanting, all kinds of things. They believe that that helped them overcome medical problems as well as other things. And it grew very, very quickly, and it had... People, members were of, of the Falun Gong came, were scattered throughout societies, from the richest to the poorest, to Communist Party members, to non-Communist Party members. And it grew so fast that the Chinese became very fearful, and, and the way they shut things down is to put you in prison. Uh, they do not try to reason with you. So they put millions of Falun Gong in prison and then began to harvest their organs and then tell their relatives that they died. So uh, anyway, they have been harvesting thousands and thousands. I just met a guy in our church the other day. I said, hey, how's it been going? Da, da, da. I haven't seen you for a while. He said, oh, I had, had a liver transplant. It's a miracle. I've been waiting for years. He's a truck driver. My liver just went bad. I got a liver transplant. And uh, he said, I'm doing really good, da, da, da. So that's very unusual to meet somebody who has actually had a transplant because most people die because there's not enough organs. But when you have a big prisoner uh, backlog of millions of people, Falun Gong, Christians, people that follow Confucius, Buddhism, all that kind of stuff, or uh, so you have all these millions in these labor camps, uh, you have an unending supply of 
of donor organs, and you can just and so what they're doing is parting out people. And uh, I don't know whether I'll get to it, but there is an article where there was a Freedom of Information Act request uh, put out by or, or what they call a FOIA request. And uh, it is um, it was a request of the federal government to give them the information to tell the truth about their buying parts of aborted babies from Planned Parenthood and then using those parts uh, for stem cell research, which is illegal to do that. You cannot part out human beings like you do an automobile and pull, pull the, you know, pull the various resellable parts. But that's exactly what we're doing. We think, oh, my God, I can't believe the Chinese are doing it. We've been doing it here all, all along. So have the Chinese. They've been parting out babies. There's some discussion that they even eat children over there, small babies. And uh, so I think, oh, Lou, you're just making stuff up now. Actually, you don't know what you're talking about. It's a problem. You just don't. You're ignorant, and uh, you don't know what you're talking about. So the um, I can't remember what. It's Tom Fitton, uh, the Justice Institute, that they got the information, and now uh, they uh, they know that the federal government and state governments are buying parts of human beings um, that are aborted. So then the story goes on about these the Chinese guys. They are handling thousands and thousands of organs. Now, normally, it's very difficult to get an organ because just just because a person dies, that doesn't mean his organs are any good. In fact, they aren't any good. So, so you wake up in the morning, somebody's dead in your house. That person's organs are no good because they've lost oxygen all that time. You have to get a person that, that is in an accident or shoots himself or something happens where there's there's been an unending uh, uninterrupted flow of oxygen to all those organs. So they're fresh. They stay fresh. And so, uh, I won't go through all the details about, uh, this whole Chinese medical experts suicide. Uh, but it's interesting. This guy is one of the, the, the most powerful, uh, people bringing millions of dollars into China through developing. I, I, it tells in here how many thousands of livers this guy has transplanted himself. He's like Mr. Liver Transplant. Um, so it, it gives great articles. They've been following this um, this issue in the Epoch Times. Now, Epoch Times has a has a uh, branch in Hong Kong which has been taken over by communist Chinese and they have had their, uh, uh, their print plant and their operation over there destroyed numbers of times. They just had it raided again with, uh, they, what the communists do is just hire some thugs, come in, break, break in and destroy all the equipment. Uh, so anyway, uh, the Chinese are doing, um, major, uh, vaccines and it, it, the fascinating thing is it takes the United States government literally 10 20 years to decide to do anything or to complain about this if we did one thing wrong that China doesn't look look like they just go ballistic right away but it takes us forever and and literally we have all these uh, people that are refugees leaving China 
uh, that tell all about this. Oh, here we go. It's Tom, Tom Fitton. He's president of Judicial Watch. So Health and Human Services, Health and Human Services, HHS, ordered to release info on the purchase of aborted human fetal organs. And Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch, says the American people deserve to know how their tax dollars are being spent on this grotesque and potentially illegal activity. Now, uh, a couple people did a uh, um, an investigative story. These journalists did. Uh, the guy's name is Delighton. His last name is Delighton. And normally a journalist who uncovered um, gruesome things, whether it's sex trafficking, whether it's drug trafficking, whether it's uh, sexual abuse, uh, satanic rites, weird stuff, they would be heralded as uh, people that have helped set people free and and uh, right a wrong. But when Delighton, the journalist Delighton, I can't remember his first name right now, but you could look it up. When he uncovered and actually videoed and recorded doctors working for Planned Parenthood that were actually making lots of money on selling organs, uh, then uh, Attorney General Kamala Harris and then Attorney General Xavier Becerra, uh, they prosecuted Delighton. Uh, they prosecuted Delighton. And the reason is, is it's a sacred thing to abort babies in this country. It's become a religion. It's become a sacred thing. They're sacrificing babies. If you read it in the Bible, uh, people groups for um, from the beginning, which, you know, that feared evil, demonic gods or small gods, small G gods or demonic um, powerful entities, they believed that if they sacrificed something precious, the demonic entities would leave them alone. And so one of the most precious things people have is their children. And so they you can read all about it all the way through the Old Testament. It talks about sacrificing their children to Molech, M-O-L-E-C-H, which is a god of fire. And they would set the children in the, the cast arms of this Molech, and the fire would barbecue them. And uh, so... Child sacrifice is nothing new, but that's what's going on. It has a new name, plan, you know, it's uh, planned pregnancies, like planned parenthood, right? Or they have all these euphemisms, like terminate the pregnancy. Um, so, uh, but it's simply child sacrifice for the benefit of the parents. So in the, in the old days, and in the days currently where people still do child sacrifice in the world, they do it to achieve some positive result, like the demons will leave them alone, or uh, they will win a war, or they will get pregnant, or they will have good crops. And um, so the same things happen today. I wanted to, I couldn't take time out of my career because I want to, I want to progress up the, the ladder in this career. I want to become a doctor. I want to become a lawyer. I want to become a corporate executive. I want to own my own company. So therefore, this child is is uh, my key to success by sacrificing it. He, he or she is going to sacrifice their life so I can be a wonderful person. So that's what this is all about. 
So China's doing it. We're doing it. I don't think we're harvesting organs right now, adult organs, and and, uh, selling them to people. But why not? Right now, we have a government that's being run by China. And um, so that's something that China does. You think, you know, I was noticing... I was noticing uh, a meme that came through and had a picture of uh, Colin Kaepernick and uh, the former 49er and LeBron James, the football or the basketball star. And the, the, the caption was something like this. Uh, they turned their head, uh, ignoring slave labor in Asia in order for them to make millions of dollars off that slave labor so they can then run around and claim that the United States is a country of of exploitation. We exploit people, but then they make their millions of dollars from Nike and Adidas and other other shoe companies, uh, and they make their money uh, taking advantage of people in China, Vietnam, and other countries, Cambodia, that are making pittance for wages, $40, 40 cents an hour, 80 cents an hour. We'll be right back. Our show's about half done. We'll start second half in about five minutes. entertainer, a businesswoman, and especially as a mother, I really love it when we're allowed to be out and together. As an actor and director, I've always been a collaborative person. As a regular person, business owner, and someone who can sense government and big corporation overreach, my warning meter is off the charts right now. I'm constantly inspired being around people and feeling their energy live. And apparently wanting to drink their blood as well. What's with the outfit? But that's been hard during COVID. We all want to get back to enjoying restaurants, stores, hotels, stadiums, and feel safer in the places we love. How can we feel more confident that the schools, childcare centers, offices, and banks that we go to are working to keep us safe? I don't need you to keep me safe. That's my job. I just want to buy my groceries and be left the heck alone. Look for the Well Seal. Look for the Well Health Safety Seal. Look for the Well Health Safety Seal. Look for the what the health safety what? Oh, you mean another way to put more regulations on small business and control the commerce between us peasants. I'm Dr. Richard Carmona, the 17th Surgeon General of the United States of America. This is the Well Health Safety Seal from the International Well Building Institute, the global authority on healthy buildings. When someone claims they're a global authority on anything, that just means that they're working with the people that want to control us. When you see the Well Health Safety Seal, it means that your health and safety are top of mind when it comes to cleaning and sanitizing procedures, the gas chambers and FEMA camps, air and water quality management, emergency preparedness programs, and health services. It means when you see the seal on the outside, we can feel more confident going inside. Because feeling safe should be a right for all, not a privilege for some. Exactly right, Robert. Feeling safe should be a privilege for all, not a right for some. And that's why we're going to keep owning these. 
So look for the well seal. Look for the well seal. Look for the well health safety seal. And then turn around, walk away, and shop somewhere else because we're not in to your marks and seals. When President Lyndon Johnson launched his War on Poverty in 1964 at the University of Michigan, he said there were three places where we begin to build the Great Society, in our cities, in our countryside, and in our classrooms. That speech marked the beginning of more than half a century of federal spending on education programs from preschool through graduate school. Unfortunately, or perhaps predictably, the federal government's foray into the infinitely complex domain of what and how children learn has not led to better learning outcomes. As we explain in the Heritage Foundation's new book, Johnson's program led to what we call the not-so-great society. In early childhood education, the federal Head Start preschool program, launched as a part of the War on Poverty, has had little to no impact on parenting practices or the cognitive, social, emotional, and health outcomes of children. In K-12, the achievement gap between disadvantaged students and their more affluent peers remains the same today as it was in 1964. Affluent students are still four years ahead in learning. And in higher education, five decades after the Great Society got the federal government into the business of guaranteeing student loans, Americans hold more than $1.6 trillion in outstanding student loan debt. And the irony? 44% of recent college graduates are in jobs that don't require a college degree. So what's to be done? In education, the first step is a bold one. Get Washington out. Education should return to its roots in the earliest days of the Republic, when parents played a central role in choosing how and where their kids learned, and when students, if they choose to go to college, paid their way without making the Faustian bargain of taking a federal loan. In other words, the Department of Education should no longer be a cabinet-level agency. Our new book devotes an entire section to solutions at the pre-K, K-12, and post-secondary levels. Heritage has solutions to help lawmakers and education officials at all levels. But more importantly, we offer ways to help parents and students and give every child great learning options that prepare them for life. What kind of success percentage would you like if you're going to fly on Southwest, make it there nine times out of ten? Would you fly Southwest if they said our planes are really safe, we make it there nine times out of ten? Would you fly? <clears throat> would you buy Would you buy a car if they said it'll start nine times, nine mornings out of ten? You know, life is about risk, right? <clears throat> If we want a risk-free life, you, the only risk-free spots in town are the graveyard. Life has certain risks to it. And uh, so I've been noticing all the problems with the vaccines. I have most of my friends wouldn't take the vaccine, but I have a lot of friends that, that are. Um, and I just, uh, if they ask my opinion or my perspective, I give it. If they don't, 
then I keep it to myself. I was talking to somebody today. They were going to, they were getting it. They already had the first shot. And uh, so I was talking to them that I feel like I've got a PhD in COVID. But I've been watching the, uh, there's a lot coming out about vaccines. You know, before COVID vaccine, if you want to call it a vaccine, I just call it, I call it an inoculation. It's really not a vaccine where they take a little bit of the illness and put it in your body. So you have a little reaction to it, build up some antibodies, and then it stops you from ever having a full-blown illness if it comes along, right? Chicken pox, smallpox, polio, etc., right? They've never, ever been able to successfully do the coronavirus. They've tried for decades. Coronavirus has been around longer than you have. So uh, they made a big deal about it because they wanted to take over society. You may not believe that, but that's your problem, not mine. But um, there have been people dying. There have been people that are having um, blood clots in the brain. Paul, uh, Bell's palsy, which is paralysis, temporary paralysis of the face, usually one side or the other. So... It's interesting that in the midst of all this vaccination, I used to be on the school board and a discussion came up one time because we used to take care of all the autistic kids, among others, that had challenges in their life. Like, how come we're having all this autistic stuff? Like, it's hundreds and maybe thousands of times more than it was when I was a youngster. Why, 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 why? People have all these theories. The most realistic theory is the preponderance of vaccines we're now giving kids from the from the first day of birth on up. Like some people say they get 75, 80 vaccines as a youngster. And back in the day, we got five or three, right? And some of these vaccines given at such a young age, some believe that they're not ready. Their their brain is still forming. Their immune system still forming. Nervous system still forming at those first months, etc. And it, it can have a bad reaction. So in the midst of all this COVID controversy, the U.S. government has lost a landmark vaccine suit, lawsuit, according to the Children's Health Defense Fund. And uh, so if you think, well, why would the government lose the suit? It's because the legislators of our United States government gave all the pharmaceutical companies. Why do you think they gave them this? They gave them this benefit because the pharmaceutical companies pays you know our our congressmen our senators get paid by us a salary but they also get paid millions of dollars from corporations so they'll do what they want the corporations want so big pharma as they call is one of the biggest donors in the country so big pharma convinced legislators that they should not be held liable for faulty vaccines that they should have immunity and that the if anybody wanted to sue somebody, they should be able to sue the federal government. Well, you know, f- suing the federal government is no easy task. Because why? Because they have an endless su- supply of attorneys and money, and, and they control the judges. So um, it says here, vaccine injury lawyer Robert Kennedy, that's the son or the um, nephew of the Kennedy that was assassinated as president, and Dell Bigtree, producer of suppressed anti-vaccine documentary called Vaxed and the Inform, Informed Consent Action Network, 
ICANN, are credited with, with this victory. They demanded the, the relevant government documents proving that all federally approved vaccines had been tested for quality for the past 32 years. They asked for all the documents to prove that these vaccines had really been tested and uh, before they were approved for use by human beings. And you know what they found? Not one of the vaccines over the last 32 years has ever been properly tested to guarantee that they were very safe. So here are some of the huge legal and practical implications in this victory for the American people. It says a recent U.S. court revealed there's been no quality control over vaccines. This is before COVID. I'm not, count, not counting COVID yet. No, no, it didn't say there haven't been enough. It didn't say there's been a little bit of quality control. It said there's been none, no quality control over vaccines manufactured by Big Pharma for at least 32 years. I want you to think of when autism went nuts. How about the last 32 years? I don't know whether you've ever seen an autistic child. Why don't you go visit the, there's classes full of autistic kids in Yuba County. And Sutter County, you can go and visit and see what that's like. It's a big challenge. Autism rates are expected to drop dramatically now that parents can stop the poison being injected into their children. You see what I'm saying? We now have the leverage where the schools are saying, you can't come to school if you don't get your kid vaccinated. You know, it's the same stupid argument as with COVID. If vaccinations protected all the kids, then why would my kid, if I didn't want my kid to be vaccinated, isn't he the one at risk rather than the other kids? This is a conformity issue, people. If I don't wear a mask, who's the one that's at risk? I am, if it's really so bad. not the. If you think masks are solving this problem, then masked people are the safe ones. And I, who don't wear a mask, I'm the vulnerable one. The un, the unvaccinated people should be the vulnerable ones. Yet it's those are the people that are punished. This means that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and all vaccine makers have been lying to the American people for over 30 years about the effectiveness and safety of vaccines. This may ultimately mean that continuing the existence at least in their current form of five U.S. healthcare agencies are now in doubt. The CDC, the FDA, the IOM, the NIH, and the health part of the DHHS. This may also threaten the existence of state medical boards and exclusive medical guilds like the American Medical Association. It goes on to say, now, I, I'm tr I'm just trying to tell you people you've accepted a lot as legit and these people are good as gold that the doctor said it it's good I'm telling you it isn't good and Dr. Lou is a liar she's a fraud she's a hack for a political agenda and she'll she'll sell your life down the sewer in a heartbeat and she's been doing it all year this says this means that vaccine makers have been fraudulently exempt from all other pharmaceutical drug makers, from what all other pharmaceutical drug makers, makers have been forced to do concerning bi biannual recertification for quality and effectiveness, meaning that their vaccines have never been tested. 
never been tested, never been tested, never been tested. And you're shooting them in your kid. You're shooting them in your kid. Your new babies, your children have never been tested for quality and have had no proven safety or effectiveness for over 30 years. This case can now be legally cited by all parents fraudulently mandated by any government agency or organization regulation requirement that they must vaccinate their children for school or any other activity to stop the forceful vaccination of all children. This case now may be legally cited by all employees being mandated by their employers to be vaccinated in order to retain their jobs. They can sue the employer. This case can now be legally cited by all those who seek compensation for vaccine injury, making it likely that the pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical vaccine industry can in the near future be legally bankrupted out of existence, like Bayer, Monsanto, after the legal victory won by dying landscaper in San Francisco several years ago, as well as their stock value plummeting precipitously. Uh, okay. I, I'm not, autism rates will now likely plummet. They s- suggest freeing the American people from another deep state in engineered debility and providing further evidence of mass vaccination caused autism. Listen, people, there is a connection here and uh, don't <laughs> just go ahead and let your kids have those illnesses and just get through them and that they'll have uh, herd immunity after that. Now, all government officials who have passed laws legalizing vaccine fraud at the state, national, and international level or otherwise aided and abetted this vaccine fraud can now be charged with vaccine fraud, criminal malfeasance, and in some cases, war crimes under the Nuremberg Code. Um, Now, Don Bell, an American health professional, warns that vaccines, Don, D-A-W-N, Bell, warns that vaccines are not safe and become ineffective after 10 years anyway. She says her daughter was injured by vac- vaccination. Here's the deal. In a recent mumps outbreak, 100% of the mumps cases were college students who were all, all is in caps here, all caps and bold. The 100% of the mumps cases were college students who were all 100% vaccinated. Think about it, people. They risked vaccination, and yet they all got the mumps. 100% of all the mumps people got the vaccination. 90%, that's 9 out of 10 for you out in Oliver's, 9 out of 10 people who died from last year's flu epidemic had all received the flu shot. Do you know that? Why are you getting shots if they're going to save your life, but they're not saving your life? Mumps shots led to mumps. Flu shots led to death. Flu shots did not prevent death. Mump shots did not prevent mumps. Herd immunity can only be achieved when 80, 85% of the population. Do you ever wonder, what is herd immunity? This is it right here. Herd immunity. That's H-E-R-D, not H-E-A-R-D, not H-U-R-D. Herd immunity can only be achieved when 85% of the population is immune to a disease. Vaccines are only good for about 10 years, at absolute max 20 years. So most people over the age of 20 are not immune to anything any longer. 
So now you have created a, a situation of false immunity. Those who get the chicken pox, think about this now. I got the chicken pox. Did you get them? Do you remember getting them? Those who get the chicken pox are immune for life. Those who get the vax are not immune for life. Did you get this? If you got the chicken pox, you're uncomfortable. You maybe have a fever. You got spots all over the face, right? And then it comes to pass. But when you've had them, you're immune for life. It's in in your system for life. If they tested you, if they tested me today for the chicken pox virus, they would find it in my system. I'm good to go. But if I took the vaccine for chicken pox, it does not take care of it for life. Uh, the this guy this don bell the female i do believe she said uh i do believe maybe to your surprise that vaccines can and have saved lives however think about when mds were giving out antibiotics like popcorn at the movies it started having a bad effect on our immune system and our gut it's probable uh to think that the same thing might happen with the overuse of vaccines. This is so fascinating. This person says, I'm an occupational therapist. She said, I'm surprised uh, when people start getting upset because we ask questions. She said, I'm a therapist and was all in. I was all for the vax thing until I watched my daughter lose speech ability directly following a vaccine. I was one telling everyone it was a coincidence until I saw it happen with my own eyes and to my own kid. They have never done safety studies in these vaccines and have never and have never been studied uh, being given all at once as they do. You know how they pack up the vaccines? They give you a bunch of them. You get a little kid that gives several vaccines in one day. She said it's common sense, this occupational therapist said it's common sense that all these vaccines given to a child with a developing immune system and neurosystem might have some issues. It's the lying about it that really has everyone worried now. When they say safety studies have been done, when none, no one can find where they are, then Kennedy, John, or, or uh, Ted, not Ted, Robert Kennedy, offers money. Kennedy offers money for anyone who... Sh- who can show they have been they have been done in other words he says i want to see the studies and i'm going to pay for them all you pharmaceutical dudes roll out these studies that proves that they're safe and i'm going to pay you for them nobody came forward of course no one could produce them so hence the lawsuit and of course they have it my OBGYN told me that the flu shot was studied and proven safe during pregnancy isn't that freaky the doctor OBGYN told this female, Don Bell, that take that flu shot. It's totally safe. Now, women have miscarried right after these vaccines. I don't know whether you've read about this or not. So she said, I go to work as a nurse friend for the flu vax in, uh, insert. Uh, and guess what? It, she, she says, so I go to work and look at the flu vax insert. It clearly states it has not been studied in children or pregnant women. And if given to pregnant woman, you should call and add them to a registry so we can keep track of them. Furthermore, on the front of the box, it stated to not give to kids under five 
And she said, I could just keep going. Have you watched the CDC video approving the HEP backs? If not, you should because it's you should do do it because it's extremely interesting. First, this is talked about the hepatitis vax. First, they give it uh, they give uh, to one day old babies. Did you know that they give a hepatitis vaccine to one day old babies, and it's never been approved for anybody under eighteen years of age? I want you to think about that. When asked if if it was safe to give with other vaccines, they said they didn't know. This is amazing. They didn't know, but were making the assumption it was generally safe like other vaccines. Like, oh, well, vaccines, vaccines, they're all safe. I mean, somebody up there's watching. Somebody up there's got the big picture at hand. They don't, people. None of them do. It's a big fraud. It's a moneymaker. Then when asked about the new mutated gene thing, they said the same thing. We're making the assumption that it's safe like all the other vaccines. I'm telling you people, uh, I hope that if you take the vaccine, you're going to be good to go. And it ain't going to back. It ain't going to come. You know, you know, you ever, you ever had a good meal? You go out to eat, you have a really good meal and you go home, lay down and that thing just wants to back up on you, burn your throat. And all night it's just gurgling in your stomach. You think, Oh, I hate this. Well, I just hope that doesn't happen with your vaccine gig. I just hope it doesn't. So it says here, there's a picture here. I I had to delete the picture. It was so, it's so sad to me to look at the picture of this guy's beautiful wife. They have seven children. Some of them are special needs kids. It says a Mississippi man remains in critical condition. He can't walk. He can't talk and is paralyzed on one side of his body after suffering a stroke hours after being vaccinated with Johnson and Johnson's COVID vaccine. The family believes without a doubt the vaccine caused a stroke. This is a guy 40, 43 years of age or something like that. Uh, healthy. Yeah. 43 year old Mississippi. His name's Brad Malagari, father of seven received a vaccine a little afternoon and was found unresponsive by a co-worker at his desk. They called me and said he had the vaccine and something's wrong. We think it's a stroke. So the guy was a young, healthy. He's a, he wasn't no obese dude, wasn't shooting drugs, wasn't whacked out. He was healthy, good-looking, 43-year-old guy. Took himself. Um, so... Now, uh, he can't talk. He can't walk. He's paralyzed on the right side. He knows who we are, and he just cries when he sees us. We'll be right back, and we're going to do our fifth segment here in a second. homeschooler and i have been demonetized banned and put in time out from facebook and tiktok for literally speaking my mind am i that threatening i receive literally mass death threats every single day i am 16 years old and my family has had to spend nearly ten thousand dollars on my personal security why because i support our president because i love trump and i love jesus and i can say this I believe in courage, honesty, wisdom, love, and truth. And I believe in God. 
And I don't know any way to argue and debate with someone who does not. I believe in the Lord Almighty, all knowing and all forgiving. And I believe the good shall triumph evil in the end and the evil shall be vanquished. Y'all, we can do better. And it is so incredible to me that you see young people in Hong Kong that are fighting against the very same thing that young people here in the United States of America want to embrace. That is so true. When people say that violence is just another way that protests can get across, I'm just, I have to say, no. In America, you are not oppressed. There is no systemic racism. You are in charge of your own life and how your life turns out. There is no one holding you down. This is up to you. But people in Hong Kong are actually fighting for freedom and are actually fighting against oppression. And they're being completely silenced. And people in America, all of these young teenagers who expect everything to be handed to them on a silver platter and expect free college, free housing, free childcare, and free healthcare, are actively fighting to go get those things. And they're actively saying that America is the worst country in the world and that we need to start acting like other countries. You know, imagine if you had a beautiful garden and they walked over and smashed everything. That's the way communism is. It's like there's nothing that you can grow or flourish in or do that they don't control. You know, if it gets too high, they go, nope, you can't have that because the other person has to have it the same height. My name's Rafael Diaz. I've, I've owned a few businesses here in this country. I have a hair salon now. I come from Cuba. I came here when I was right at almost 10 years old. My grandfather, very successful. He provided all the dairy for most of Cuba, like um, yogurts and the fruits and all that stuff, the ice creams. And he hired a lot of people, he had a lot of farms and stuff. They hated that, that he had what he had because he was a hard worker, so they want that. Everything you have, they want. The communists controlled everything. Every street has a comites. What they do is they watch everything. What you bring into your house, what you don't bring into your house, who you're hanging around with, and they report you if you do anything that's not according to their laws. And then you always get used to, to, the, to the military with their machine guns. Sometimes at three in the morning, two in the morning, we would hear this bang on our doors. And I remember I would get up and I would go back to bed, go back to bed, go back to bed. And they would be in there with machine guns, checking all our drawers, our house, to see what we had. You know how a report card has A, B, C, has different, it's like that. A might be rice, B might be um, a piece of meat, C might be toilet paper. So every month they check out what you get. And that's all you get. You don't get any more or any less. So if today you want to go buy you a steak, you don't get a steak. Sometimes I could barter, we would barter with people to get like extra clothes or extra things. We were able to do that. But you know, that was always at a cost and a price. You could end up in jail for that. You know, which my father was in jail many times. I remember one time I was for having too much fruit in the house because he had boxes of fruit because he had a business. They would put him in jail and I, and I said, where's dad? Mama said, oh, don't worry, he'll be here later on. And they would let him out, but they do this to interrogate you. And schools were tough, the curriculum the books would change to um, build up the communist, to build up Fidel Castro. You know, that this was good, this is good, this is not good and all that. And then every morning you had to go and salute the, the communist flag. And then sometimes you, there were days that we would go home and then go back to school again. Because that's where they train you. They take your mind and they want to teach you the communist way. I remember um, my mom picked me up at school around four o'clock 
I remember her telling me, we're going to go see the house one more time. She says, we're going to stay with your grandparents, and then we're leaving in a few days to come to America. There was just a piece as soon as we hit that plane, and we left. And I remember when we landed in America. Where we landed, there was a 7-Eleven. Well, when we all looked, I almost want to go into tears with this. I have never seen so much food in my life in a 7-Eleven. And I remember the lady says, that's nothing. Just wait till you see a supermarket. You can do whatever you want in this country. If you want to work 24 hours a day and become a millionaire, you can. You can go to school, you can go trade school, you can go to college, you can, there's just no limits. And you can do what you desire. If America went, started doing like Cuba, taking everything away, my rights, my desires away, what I want to do, where would I go? Where can I go? Where else could I go but outside of America? I just thank God that my parents were Christian people that believed in, in, in a godly way of life. My grandfather always said that communism would only last in America 24 hours. He says, because we will have such a war in America. He says, half the country will overturn. But Americans need to just realize what's going on. So this guy, uh, they don't know whether the guy's going to recover. I mean, you know, when people have a stroke, what happened is he had a blood clot. And the, J the Johnson & Johnson uh, inoculation, for some reason, was creating a strange blood clot in the brain. You know, those are called aneurysms, right? When they have a blood clot burst in the brain. And if it could happen in other, other places of the body, they just don't. Uh, it's a, called a brain aneurysm when it happens in the brain. Or it could be an aortic aneurysm if it happens in another place of the body. But uh, this one, this vaccine, if you want to call it that, has been creating clots that blow up in the brain. So after six reported cases in the United States occurred among women age 18 to 48 with symptoms developing 6 to 13 days after vaccination. Uh, that's that's one deal, six report. Anyway, it talks about, said the the J&J &J disclosed two more cases of blood clots. It's a cerebral hemorrhage. Okay? So according to the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System called VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, -E -E that's a voluntary system. It's, it's routinely believed. It's sorely under reports because it's all based on voluntary reporting. It said 49 reports of blood coagulation disorders from the JJ vaccine have been reported through April 1 and 972 reports from all three vaccines combined, including Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, it's really sad to me. A lot of nice people I know are very excited about the vaccine, really think it's still going to do something for them. And I thought, oh, it's not. I got other reports here I'm not going to take time to do that tells how many people got sick with COVID and they had the vaccine on board. Didn't even stop COVID from, you know. 
I didn't get polio. I didn't get smallpox. I didn't get any of that stuff after taking those vaccines. But now you, if you take, I've never taken a flu shot in my life, but people die of the flu after they got the flu shot. What, what's up with that? What, what kind of protection is that? So it's, uh, it's just pretty gnarly. I want to take a minute here before I go on and just thank some of my, uh, helpers that helped this thing happen. I want to just give a shout out again to Tanner Martis, who helps me from Texas put this show together every week, but also, um, elite universal security and they're looking for workers. Everybody's looking for workers. I saw an ad for the plumbing doctor. Uh, we advertise for the plumbing doctor because they, they support us. Plumbing doctor, six, seven, one, nine, one, one, one. They're look. They, I saw an ad on Facebook. They're looking for plumbers. I've been saying it. I thought they were, and then boom, they've got a big ad. Six seven one nine one 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 Universal Security Marty he- Marty Hecker he's looking for plump he's looking for not plumbers he's looking for guards good guards and uh, all up and down California not just here in Yuba Sutter counties and uh, the thing is he can start you preparing for law enforcement I watched on the uh, Facebook today Yuba County swearing in some uh, some new patrol officers and patrol deputies and. Seems like they're doing it every few weeks, and um, if you're, you know, you need to be a certain age to be a deputy or an officer, patrol officer, so you, you can start getting your training through Elite Universal Security. They do classes out there. They have a range. You can get your concealed weapon permits there. So anyway, if you want to dial them up, it's 749 749-0280, 530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-530-
Oh, let's talk about this. Okay, let me finish up the vaccine. So I was talking about the VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. That's a Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. 49% of blood coagulation disorders from the JJ vaccine have been reported through April 1 and 972 reports on Pfizer and Moderna, right? So um, so there's a pause now on the, the J&J vaccine. So, again, I just bring you up this news. I, I, I'm not making it my mission in life to tell you what to do with your medical. So this is a cool thing because there's some ladies down here in Orange County, which is one of the larger, most populous, and uh, most wealthy counties in California, Orange County. And a couple ladies that spoke at the last Free and Brave conference, that's Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Dundas, D-U-N-D-A-S, who used to be a, a human trafficking attorney, international human trafficking attorney. But since she lives in Orange County, she's taking on some of these COVID issues. So she was a speaker at the last Free and Brave conference, was an amazing speaker, a very popular speaker. And the other speaker down there is former educator for University of California at Irvine. And her name is Peggy Hall, and she's a teacher of teachers. And she's a big researcher. And so both of them have been speaking at the Orange County Board of Supervisors meeting because they have been discussing, along with their their health care or health officer director, Clayton Chow, C-H-A-U, remember um, the lady that used to be up here, Nicole Quick, who left Yuba County and moved to Southern California, went to work for Orange County. She quit this job when they had a big battle over masks. She was trying to follow Newton, Newsom, the governor, instead of following the lead of her employer, which is the Orange County Board of Supervisors. So she got in the middle and got stressed out and quit. They kept her on as as uh, some sort of health worker there in the county. But they then turned, turned it over to this guy named Clayton Chow. And they came up with this idea of having a passport in the county. You, you know, I have a passport. I can fly all over the world with my passport. But now they want to have a passport that this time they're going to say, whether or not you have the vaccine and they want to put it in a QR code where you can scan it and immediately pops up on the the scanner, Lou Benninger, he's good for the vaccine. He's got the double or triple dose of the vaccine. So he's good. Uh, That passport will, if you've ever heard, seen on movies where they stop somebody and they said, I want to see your papers. What are those papers that they're looking at in the movies? Usually it's like, for instance, when we had a flood here in 19, oh, when was it? Was it 80? I think it was in 97. And so I was chaplain for uh, Marysville Police Department. And I was staying, even though everybody else uh, vaccinated, evacuated everybody evacuated they they told me i didn't have to evacuate because i was a chaplain and i could stay and help so but i got stopped by law enforcement and they i told them i'm chaplain they said i don't care whether you're chaplain you better not come through here again or you better have some papers to prove something so mark seaman who was chief of police at that time printed me up a letter that said i had a i had a mission to accomplish 
during the flood, and I could stay in my own house. So the next time I saw a CHP officer, I showed him that paper, and he says he, he still wasn't happy. I'm talking about people asking you to show your papers. People, if you have to show your papers and you're from that country, now I get it. If I'm in a foreign country and they want to see my papers, that's my passport and my visa. But if I'm in my own country, them stopping me to say, why are you out of town? Why are you driving around town? Why have you left your house? We want to see your, uh, we want to see your medical history at Southwest Air before we're going to fly you anywhere up and down California or anywhere in the United States. What happened to the HIPAA laws where they protect you from anybody else knowing about your health? Now everybody's going to be able to scan that and just some bozo from Homeland Security can look at that and scan it and see what your health is. It's totally ridiculous. So this got brought up at Orange County about having the beginnings of a scannable QR code uh, in an app called Othena. So if you hear about Othena app, O-T-H-E-N-A, Othena, that's an app where you would carry that and they would scan that, your your own uh, passport, your va- vaccination passport, and it would it would go to a place and your name would pop up as yes, you had it or no, you didn't. And therefore, you would be rejected from flying. So this Chow said that the digital record, that's what they're all, pretty soon it's the Jews had to say, the Jews had to prove who they were during World War II. And if they, if they, they had to prove they had to have paperwork. Chow said the digital record can be useful because private businesses may require customers to be vaccinated. Oh, really? Businesses are going to require a customer to be back. Think about that. You go into Red Robin instead of a mask, they're, they're wanting to scan your vaccination card. Now, here's the deal, people. Remember, we they started talking about a COVID shot. You know how many some of these shots are? Three shots now. And then you get a booster shot. What they're going to end up telling you, I'm telling you, mark my words. I'm not a prophet. Mark my words. They're going to introduce a shot every single year just like the flu shot and it's going to be a covid shot you know there's a lot of people that think at the hospital you have to get a flu shot to work there you have to get a covid shot to work with but you don't have to you just need to stand up for what's right for the law he said the county is not requiring anyone to be vaccinated but they got their foot in it Chow also pointed out that Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, warned the public about fake, fake vaccinations cards. I already got a fake one. No wonder they're warning about it because I, I want to be able to, to go wherever I want. Isn't it interesting? I used to be able to travel anywhere I wanted in the world with my blue passport. Now I can't even go up and down the state without a fake vaccination card. I got myself a fake one already. Now they're going to do a digital vaccination record, which is obviously more reliable, right? Because I can't, it's harder for me to make a fraudulent record. But I think I could find a computer person to crack the whole thing and make me a computer record. So this uh, two supervisors, board chairman Andrew Doe and supervisor Don Wagner, voiced their opposition to the government-issued vaccine passports the other day. This just happened. Doe says 
This is America. Under no circumstances would or should we ever need a passport to live and get services within our community, unquote. Supervisor Wagner said, uh, who has opposed the state's efforts to curb the spread of the coronavirus, said, in other words, quit the lockdowns, quit all this nonsense, right? Echoed those uh, thoughts of those in the release. It is no business of the government telling free citizens, this is like Andy Vasquez said, it is no business of the government telling free citizens where they may travel and the government must never discriminate against citizens because of their vaccine status, nor their mask status, which is what Andy Vasquez and Seth Fuhrer stood up for, and also uh, Don Blazer for the Yuba County Board. Now, this is, uh, it says we've got 200 people, 200 people showed up at that supervisor meeting, who want to speak about this, and they are concerned that at some point we are going to say, without the digital equivalent of this card or something else, you're not going to be able to travel in Orange County. You're not going to be able to come to Orange County or leave Orange County. You're not going to be able to do. Uh, you're not going to be able to go to the grocery store, for example. Wagner said. Uh, so. Anyway, this is what Lee Dundas. Now, Lee Dundas and Peggy Hall both were at the Free and Brave Conference. I'm not sure whether they're scheduled to come at this next one, but I would all, they are some great speakers. Lee Dundas says this, Let me be nothing if not clear. You can call this any damn thing you want. We all know it when we see it. It is a digital vaccine passport. It is the beginning and the end of Nazi Germany. It is a show me your papers, please, before you pass. It is an electronic dog collar. And since when did Orange County become the People's Republic of China? Orange County residents, as Americans, should not be forced to receive an experimental vaccine and then be required to share that private health information just to, be, just to live a normal life now, said Steve Rivera. We all have the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, as stated in the Declaration of Independence. The freedom of movement and travel cannot be infringed because it is a fundamental right. In other words, it's a God-given right. It cannot be infringed. That means violated or invalidated. So that was a big victory in Orange County, as far as I know, although I don't know everything. Uh, in Yuba Sutter counties, there has not been talk of that yet. Although uh, it's interesting, I think I mentioned to you earlier, I can't remember whether I did or not, at the, I mentioned the Yuba County meeting and how it kind of went down and they wanted us to, Gary Bradford, the chairman, and Randy Fletcher, one of the, the, Hill, the Hill supervisor, they wanted us to wear masks. But later that afternoon at 3 o'clock, Yuba County meets at 9, Sutter County meets at 3. So when my friends went over to the Sutter County meeting, a COVID had been chased out of town. No one had a mask. Remember just a couple weeks ago, they were screaming and crying and fussing and throwing, cutting their arms and everything, the supervisors and, and employees, because the visitors to their open meeting didn't want to wear a mask or six foot distance. And they begged them, Oh, please, please, please do it. But they said, no, it's bad for our health. Just like I told the guy, when I went into the Yuba County meeting, there was these rent a cop rescue, you know, uh, 
uh, guards, and they said, hey, you're going to have to have a, 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 a mask to go into that meeting. And I explained to them that I didn't wear a mask, and it was hard for me to breathe, and I didn't want to wear a mask. But I said, if you want to give me one, I'll put it in my pocket. But I'm not going to wear it inside, and if they want to throw me out, I will go peaceably. So vaccines, the same thing. I haven't heard them talk about it, but uh, the, the vaccines are one thing. The vaccine passport is something entirely different. But I do think we could, we could uh, uh, fabricate fake electronic vaccines and, uh, and be done with it and not have to follow those rules and get on international planes. And uh, they're saying in Vietnam, to go back to Vietnam, they're suggesting you're going to have to have an international, uh, you're going to have to, uh, uh, first you need a visa, need a passport, regular passport. Then you're going to need an immigration pa- or a inoculation passport. And then you're actually going to have to uh, quarantine yourself in a fancy hotel over there, which I think is absurd when you're on a restricted time to get there and get back. It's like, so... We'll see whether things change in Vietnam. They're really hurting over there. They're hurting in all these countries where they depended on hundreds of millions of dollars each year in tourism. And uh, we'll see how they're going to hold out. But a lot of people are just believing a lie. And when you believe a lie, you just believe it. That's all you believe in. So, okay, we're going to be right back and we're going to finish up our final segment in about five minutes. One of these days, things ain't gonna change. One of these days, things ain't gonna change. Your time now, baby. After a while, gonna do mine, gonna be mine. Suppose someone left you an inheritance of a million dollars, with the proviso that every cent of it had to be spent on tickets for you to go watch professional wrestling matches. If you happened to be a professional wrestling fan, you would be in hog heaven. But what if you were not? How much would that million dollars be worth to you? Certainly a lot less than a million dollars. What if there was a clause in the will? which said that you could forfeit the million dollars and instead receive a cash amount of $100,000 to spend as you pleased. Many of us would take the hundred grand without strings, even if that was only ten cents on the dollar compared to the million for watching wrestling. In short, money with strings is worth less than money without strings, sometimes a lot less. Many of us who receive money from Social Security or other government programs are learning the hard way the difference between money with strings and money without strings. For example, Social Security recipients have to be enrolled in Medicare, whether they want to be or not. Universal coverage means compulsory coverage, just with prettier political spin. Those who are complaining about how hard it is to understand the new Medicare coverage seem not to realize that no government program voted into law by more than 500 members of Congress is going to be simple. Everybody in Congress has his own pet notions or his own little claim to fame, and a lot of those pet notions and claims to fame have to go into the legislation in order to get the votes needed to pass the law. 
The complications and restrictions are the strings attached to Medicare. People who think that they are getting something for nothing by having government provide what they would otherwise have to buy in the private market are not only kidding themselves by ignoring the taxes that government has to take from them in order to give them the appearance of something for nothing, they are also ignoring the strings that are going to be attached to their own money when it comes back to them in government benefits. That is not even counting the fact that government programs are usually less efficient than similar services provided by private enterprises. Compare the service you get at the Department of Motor Vehicles with the service you get at AAA. No one who belongs to the American Automobile Association is likely to go to the DMV for a service that is also available through AAA. Yet the illusion of something for nothing has kept the welfare state going and expanding. If there is something for sale in the marketplace for $10 and you would not pay more than $5 for it, some politician can always offer to get it for you free as a newly discovered basic right, or at least at a reasonable or affordable price. Suppose that the reasonable or affordable price is $3. How do you suppose the government can produce something for $3 that private industry cannot produce for less than $10? Greater efficiency in government? Give me a break. The fact that you pay only $3 of the cash register means nothing. If it costs the government $12 to produce and distribute what you are getting for $3, then the government is going to have to get another $9 in taxes to cover the difference. One way or another, you are going to end up paying $12 for something you are unwilling to buy for $10 or even $6. But so long as you think you are getting something for nothing, the politician's shell game has worked and the welfare state can continue to expand. The illusion that Social Security can provide pensions more cheaply than a private annuity or other retirement plan is the grand something-for-nothing political triumph. Stand up! Stand up for joy Stand up for happiness Stand up for your rights Stand up for strength Stand up! Stand up for humanity Stand up for freedom one of the things I've been bringing up all along during the uh, COVID, the way the COVID illness has been dealt with is that it's like dropping a nuclear bomb to kill a mouse. The collateral damage is going to be far greater than that little mouse could ever accomplish. And that's what's happened here with Dr. Liu. Now, there's articles in San Francisco Chronicle, an examiner down there. It says, staggering surge in drug overdoses, deaths, far outpacing COVID fatalities in San Francisco. So wherever you look, the COVID fatalities, which are fraudulent, because now we have no flu, we have no pneumonia deaths. They've folded all those into COVID. They just call everything COVID. It's entirely, it's propaganda, people. Don't even begin to. So it says in... Uh, San Francisco, in the first eight months of last year, a record 621 people died of drug overdoses in San Francisco, a staggering number that far outpaces 173 deaths the previous year. Think about it, people. They went from 173 to 621 in San Francisco. Now, check this out. The crisis fueled by the powerful painkiller fentanyl 
could have been far worse if it wasn't for the nearly 3,000 times that Narcan was used from January to the beginning of November to save someone from the brink of death. Now, Narcan is a chemical that when you squirt it up the nose, you buy it and you got three, two little doses. You just open it up and stick it in the nose and push the bottom. It squirts it up there. And then you give them two or three minutes. You call 911. Of course, they've already been called. You kind of move them around a little bit, you know, knock on their sternum. But if nothing happens, then you open the other one in the package and just give it the squirt up the other nose. And, uh, so that's what they're talking about. 3,000 times that Narcan was used from January to November to save someone. So obviously they need to still go to the hospital, but the fact is you saved them. So people, uh, there's some great quotes and, and from professionals, experts here that I wanted to you to read because so many people are just operating on innuendo. So U.S. overdose deaths on, are on track to hit an all-time high amid the 2020 pandemic. Drug fatalities have surged by at least 19% in Connecticut, 28% in Colorado, 30% in Kentucky. So here's what some observations on the way this thing was handled. Said an Associated Press analysis of several states' overdose data showed a rise in drug fatalities from January to July 2020. Uh, this and they're just comparing 2020 with 2019. Centers for Disease Control preliminary data on drug overdose su suggests 2020 may be on track to be the deadliest year for drug overdoses since 2015, if not on record. Rises in overdoses tended to grow steeper after lockdowns, according to the AP report. So there are people measuring it and know the truth. They just don't want to let it out. Just going to piss people off. Finally, if winter trigger triggers a surge in coronavirus cases and in turn block lockdowns, the U.S. could be set to see even more drug overdoses over the coming months. That's that's gnarly to hear. During overdose deaths in U.S. during the Drug overdose deaths in the U.S. are on track to get set a grim record in 2020, and the worst may be yet to come, dangerous uh, data suggests. All right, let me see, see if there's anything else down here to talk about this. So it says U.S. drug overdose deaths are on track to reach an all-time high during COVID, with addiction experts blaming the pandemic which has left people stressed and isolated, disrupted. Uh, it disrupted treatment and recovery programs and contributed to an increasingly dangerous, illicit drug supply. So um, I wrote an article on this. Matt, a guy named Matthew David fought heroin for a long time. He was running out of his prescription. And... Um, He used to, the 31-year-old guy used to attend recovery meetings. He had a restaurant job that he enjoyed. He also liked his new baby nephew. Then when the coronavirus hit, 
Davison lost his job. He started staying home alone in his apartment near Georgetown, Kentucky, depressed and yearning for his recovery support group. Uh, the group that had stopped gathering in person, said his cousin, Melanie Wyatt. On, on May 25, Matthew Davison was uh, found by his girlfriend, who stopped in to uh, check on him. So his girlfriend came home to find him, and he was dead of a drug overdose. That's what's happening over and over and over and over. And in the meantime, we're playing games with this little color tier system that was just somebody's fabrication. They said, oh, there's three more cases. There's 15 more cases. There's 12 more cases. Those weren't really COVID sick people. They just mean that the PCR test showed some fragment fragment of that illness in their system. But that's all it really means. Crazy. So I want to talk briefly about, we got about 13 minutes left. Let me see if I can find my way down here. So this report marks us Black Lives Matters. You remember Black Lives Matter, right? So there's two ladies that uh, are married, um, Patrice Kahn-Colors, C-U-L-L-O-R-S, hyphenated last name, and um, the uh, the partner, I don't know who's assuming the man's role, who's assume, assuming the woman's, but they're together, and the spouse is named Janava, Jan, or sorry, Janaya Khan, right? Janaya Khan. So these ladies, uh, they like to tell people how well-versed they are in Marxism, and they're a real disciple of Marx, yet they live like they're uh, a celebrity. And so um, let me see if I can find some of the high points here. The 37-year-old social justice warrior or visionary Con Colors, Patrice, just bought a $1.4 million home in Topanga, a remote Los Angeles neighborhood nestled in the Santa Monica Mountains. In L.A. terms, $1.4 million is no big deal, though the activists took criticism for spending what would be a fortune in other real estate markets and for buying in a largely white neighborhood after urging everybody else to buy black. Now, check this out. These are two women that said they are highly trained Marxist doctrine uh, advocates. So it says here, it turns out that Con Colors, Patrice Con Colors, also owns a home in predominantly black neighborhood at Inglewood, among several other homes. The New York Post reported Saturday night, Saturday, that she bought a $510,000 place in 2016, which is worth now $800,000. She also bought a $590,000 home in South Los Angeles that is worth seven hundred twenty dollars today. And bought a ranch in rural Georgia for $415,000, featuring a private airplane hangar with studio apartment above it. Pretty nice, huh? Now, these ladies are people that want to be Marxists where you live communally 
and everybody's has stuff in common. Now, I, I don't know whether they're buying all these houses to move like these illegal aliens in or what they're doing. So it says here, Khan, Patrice Khan Colors and spouse Janiyah Khan also eyed property in the Bahamas at an ultra-exclusive resort where Justin Tim- Timberlake and Tiger Ru- Woods both have homes called, uh, both have homes. Uh, interesting. So uh, it says Khan, Janiyah Khan was born in Toronto, Canada. They uh, received a Bachelor of Arts from York University, uh, got, got degrees in English language and literature. Anyway, tells a little about her, but they're both, uh, they like to say that they're trained Marxists. The, the media likes these phrases that they like to use. They're trained Marxists who are super vexed on ideological theories. Last year, as Breitbart News noted, the radical activists signed a contempt, a content production deal with Warner Brothers Television Group. In other words, these people are cashing in on their celebrity status, even though they're preaching, let's all make everything equal. Everybody has one little pat of butter, and uh, everybody, you can't tell the difference between anybody, no matter how lazy they are, they are how, hard they, how hard they work, or whether they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. You can't tell the difference. It's all the same. Uh, okay, uh, so that's so much for the rich becoming richer when they're trained Marxists and don't know all about Marxist doctrine. These gals are really smart people. So then Kevin Kiley, who puts out his blog, he says, our case against Gavin Newsom will be heard finally by the Third District Court of Appeal in Sacramento on April 20 at 9.30 a.m. If you want to go down to that, go catch it out. Go catch it. Third District Court of Appeals. Not just any courthouse will do, so look it up. April 20, 9.30 a.m. Newsom is appealing the Superior Court's ruling that he abused his emergency power. That's the court here in Sutter County ruled that. Newsom's lawyers rushed to the Court of Appeal, insisting the ruling called into question vast swaths of state, the state's emergency response. And it should. It shouldn't affect the Constitution. And threatened to invalidate dozens of other executive actions. Newsom, Newsom himself called it a profoundly important decision. Uh, so it says the Court of Appeals declined Newsom's wish for an immediate reversal, instead setting a rapid briefing schedule and teeing up the first precedent-setting decision in California history on the limits of governor's emergency powers. Thank God. We've been, he's, Kylie says, we've been waiting ever since. Another court has already acknowledged this case could be a precedent for ending Newsom's harebrained, color-tier, loo-loving lockdown scheme. What a complete, it would be a complete Funny joke if it wasn't so fraudulent and so riddled with baloney. Crazy. Uh, all right. It's interesting if you, when you remember these quotes, it says, uh, this case, let's see. Says from the beginning, 
Newsom recently tried to declare that we are not ever going back to normal. From the beginning, he hailed COVID-19 as the dawning of a new progressive era and an opportunity to reshape the way we do business and how we govern. Gavin Newsom wants to use this fabricated tragedy and crisis to have a communist state. That's exactly what this means. So that's Kevin Kiley. Thank God for Kiley. He's really led the way on this whole fiasco. Um, I don't know whether I told you this, but let me see if that's the most important thing. Okay. I think I told you about the, um, the, uh, taking people's organs when they're still living, but they're even doing worse I wouldn't say they're worse things, but they're equally horrid things. So when when the Chinese expanded throughout that sphere of influence where they're located, they took, they gobbled up surrounding countries like the Soviet Union did, like Russia did to create the Soviet Union. And one of those one of those parts of northern China is where the Uyghur people live. Uyghur is very difficult to spell phonetically it's spelled u-y u-y-g-h-u-r Uyghur and they are a Muslim people and they have their own language they call it Turkish and um, it's a Turkish uh, language Turkish Muslim and um, so the the Uyghurs got trapped inside of China and they don't like it they're Muslims and they are um they a lot millions are held in detention centers run by the state uh, of China uh, in China's western Xinjiang territory. Um, and this woman who is actually a doctor, a Uyghur doctor, she said she oversaw as many 80 forced sterilization surgeries per day in recent years. What you think about that? 80 a day. And uh, then she eventually fled and got to Turkey, and she is a Uyghur gynecologist. And so she has inside information, is telling the world. She said a lot of people were put on the back of a truck and sent to the hospital. The sterilization procedure took about five minutes each, but the women were crying because they did not have any idea what was happening to them. The doctor, 47 years of age, said she personally carried out sterilizations of Uyghur women at a hospital in Xinjiang, capital of Arumki. Showing the Japanese newspaper images of intrauterine devices, the gynecologist said these devices were inserted into wombs. Uh, she estimated, the doctor estimated, that the sterilizations began around 1980, decades before Revolution revelation that the Chinese Communist Party were building concentration camps for Uyghur and other Muslim ethnic minority people. Roughly 50,000 refugees like the doctor have fled Xinjiang for Turkey. Wow, that's a lot in recent years. Uh, some of the ex exiled Uyghur women have visited her in Istanbul, complaining that they cannot have children now. She has examined more than 150 so far, but many don't know they have been sterilized. 
and some women start crying in anger when she explains that has happened to them. Uyghurs are a Turkic-speaking uh, Sunni Muslim ethnic group native to Central Asia, which borders Xinjiang to the west. Human rights organizations have accused this, the Communist Chinese Party of forcibly detaining one to three million Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities in forced labor camps in Xinjiang since at least 2017. You know, people, we just hide our heads in the sand over here. It says here, the BBC published a report in February 3rd alleging several former detainees and a guard at Xinjiang camps told the broadcaster they experienced or saw evidence of an organized system of mass rape, sexual abuse, torture. These aren't rumors, people. These are eyewitness accounts of people that worked or lived in those camps uh, for a period of time. So, oh, look, one final thing. We got a little minute and a half here. I want to mention that the Choices um, play is coming up. This coming week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 21, 22, 23. Still time to get seats and or a table. So the first two nights, the 21st and 22nd, the seats are 22 each for the dinner theater or 200 for a table of 10. That's for the 21st and 22nd. And the final night, 23rd, it's 300 for the table and $33 per ticket for per seat. So uh, you can go online at churchofgladtidings.com and find choices, and it'll take you through a series of questions and answers if you want to buy tickets online, etc. If, if you have trouble with that, just call the church at 530-671-3160, 530-671-3160. Tell them you can't figure out how to, how to buy online and see if they'll just help you do that over the phone. Okay, so that's it for today, and we're going to call it, um, a, we're going to call that a podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, send me some of your ideas. Eddie, thank you for sending me a couple of good ideas. Dan, Bill, same with you, and others that are um, helping me get fresh material each week. So God bless you. And do something good for someone this week, and um, God's favor is upon you. Good night. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show, and remember.